Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. You may be seated. Let children go to children's church. May they not overcome the teacher. (laughs) Glory to God. Always excited when we can break open the bread of life and read his word. Amen. 1 John chapter 5, 1 John, the fifth chapter. Well, actually, let's hit a little bit of chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, 13. Praise God. 1 John 4, 13, hereby we know that we dwell in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the father sent the son to be the savior of the world. Whoever will confess that Jesus is the son of God, God dwells in him. And he in God. Well, I know there's God in you now. Right? You confess that Jesus is the Son of God? You're a God dweller. (laughs) Hmm? Verse 16, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, that's always. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. I wasn't talking about the world to come. We know that's fine. But we have boldness now. Because as he is, so are we. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. Fear has torment. He that feareth, he that does fear, is because he's not made perfect in love. But we love him because he first loved us. If a man says, well, I love God, but he hates his brother, he's a liar. I could look that up in other translations, but I think it would be pretty much the same. He is a liar and the love, for he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love a God whom he's not seen? And this commandment that we have from him that he who loves God loves his brother also. Chapter 5, verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him, that beget loveth him, also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and we keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous, they're not hard. For whatsoever is born of God 
overcometh this world. And this is the victory that overcomes this world, our faith. Your world overcomer? You know, we're not going to a victory. We're coming from one. You know, a lot of people are still, they're trying to get the victory. But they're starting at the wrong place. Everything's already been completed and cross finished. So we're coming from the victory. You said, does that make a difference? Oh, what a difference. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit that bears witness because the spirit is truth. Notice he doesn't have truth. He is truth. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, Word, the Holy Ghost, and the three are one. And these that are three bear witness in the earth, the spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree in one, and we receive the witness of men. The witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God. This is, in other words, this is God's testimony. Did you know God had a testimony? This is God's witness or testimony, which he has testified of his son. Verse 10, he that believeth on the son of God. Is that anyone here? Well, then you have this witness in yourself. He that believeth not. God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. And this is the record that God hath given us eternal life and that life is in his son. And he that hath the son has this life. He that hath not the son hath not life. These things have I written unto you that you believe on the name of the son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything. This is the confidence that we are to have. Those of us who have eternal life. Those that hath God and hath His Son. This is the record. This is the testimony. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Hmm. Glory to God. Praise God. Amen. Well, glory to God. Well, let's just think about that a moment. He who has him has the victory. And this is the victory. This is the victory. So we're not coming, we're not coming from and going to a place to obtain we're always coming from. You know, we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness. And then we were translated in the kingdom of his dear son, the son of his love. You're in the kingdom. The kingdom's in you. Greater is he that which is in you than he that's in the world. Greater than what? Anything outside that world. Anything in this world. Storms, hurricanes, tornadoes, drought, famine, pestilence, murders. Someone, a person from heaven, 
The creator of the earth has come to live in your belly. In your spirit being. And he's greater than. He's not equal to the task. He's greater than the task. Jesus already conquered it. For you. All of it. Forever. Jesus said in John 16, 33, he said, in this world, you're going to have situations. He said, well, I don't know if that faith stuff works. Well, then find out. That faith stuff. Someone said, well, that, that faith business is over. Well, is God over? Huh? Someone said, it's an old, it's an old sermon. It's not a sermon. It's who God is. Right? God is a God of faith. And he who has God has him and has faith. What kind of faith do you have? God faith. Jesus said, have the God kind of faith. What could you do with a God kind of faith? Well, you would speak to a mountain and that mountain must obey you. Some say, well, it, well I, I don't know. It hasn't. He said it would. Well, I tried it. That's not a verse. Jesus said the mountain shall obey you. He talked about someone, faith as a servant. He used the analogy or the allegory of a, of a servant who goes out and works. And he says that when he comes back, he said, you don't even sit the servant down to feed him. The job is ongoing. The servant will feed you. And after you are fed, then you can feed and say, sit down and eat. Well, that servant is your faith. God has given you his faith inside you. What does that faith do? It's to serve you. It's to serve in this time of life. It's to serve humanity with. It's to, for us to serve one another in love. Amen. Amen. And we have that victory. That means we ought to have a shout. Amen. Amen. There ought to be a shout in you all the time. Yes. God. Yes. There ought to be something stirring in you all the time. And when you're not stirred... Well, you, you, maybe you're looking at something wrong or you're meditating the wrong things. You're not, you're, not, you're not looking at the right stuff. You can't read this word and come out depressed. Some say, you don't know my life. That's not a scripture. Huh? The scripture's here. You put the scriptures in. Now, you can starve to death in a grocery store if you don't partake. <laughs> you can go to a restaurant and absolutely starve to death. If you don't order off the menu. We have the words of his life. They're here. They're before us. Joshua was told, put them in your eyes and put them in your mouth and put them in your eyes and put them in your ears and put them in your mouth and look at them and meditate them and ponder them and think about them and speak them and declare them and put them in and put them in and put them in and put them in and speak them out. Abraham did the same thing because he needed to be persuaded. He was fully persuaded. That what God said, he was able to perform. The Bible said without, he had no hope. In other words, there was no natural hope of the promise of God ever becoming a reality to Abraham. Why? Because he was 100 years old, his wife was 90, and the promise was that they were going to have a child. Well, that was, seemed so hopeless, did it not? But he had the promise of that hope. And so he said against all hope, he believed in hope. And he said that God was well able he passed that test. He passed that place. He came out of the place of human reasoning. He came over into the place, out of, out of the flesh, into the spirit. And walked in the spirit and walked in that life. 
He wasn't thinking, what does the Bible say like this? What does the Bible say about this? He was doing what the Bible says. There's a difference between, you know, what does the Bible say about this? Let me look. Well, that's good. But it's even better to say this is what the Bible thinks, and then, you, then you're living that. that. That's what you're living. I mean, it, it's, a, it, it's a living faith. It's a, it, it's a living book. It's a breathing book. Hebrews 4 said the Word of God is quick, and it's alive, and it's powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. So as I'm breathing it in and I'm looking at it and I'm meditating and I'm speaking it out, that word that is life takes on life form. And then when you speak to it and you speak to situations and you speak to sickness or disease, the Bible said it must obey you. Your faith is as a servant. And the word that goes forth out of your mouth, the word is like a two-edged sword. Jesus said that my words are spirit and they are life. He sent his word and it the word healed them. From a distance. Do you know anything that powerful? Have you ever watched a doctor treat you from a distance? No, he wants you in the office, right? Then he wants you to come back every, every few weeks or months because he got to check you again and got and, and, and to keep your meds going. Hmm? If you don't come, you can't get your meds. He won't do it from a distance. He wants you close. Sometimes they don't care anything. The only thing that they get 100% all time is, is they get that copay. They know how to do that. We can take a copay. Fix this, maybe not so much. Copay, we know how to do. Jesus is the doctor. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the savior. Jesus is not a practitioner. He is the healer. It's by his stripes that you and I are healed. This is the victory that overcomes the world. It's our faith. Huh? He went to Calvary. He went to the cross. He went to the whipping post. He, he bore the stripes upon his back so that by his stripes, you and I could receive our healing through his redemptive work. His work was enough and his work was finished and his work was complete. And his, his work is still ongoing in the sense that in the fact that those who lay hold of the promise, lay hold of the word and take that word and take that promise, it becomes theirs. It becomes theirs. It's, it's no longer the Bible. It's no longer a scripture. It's not a sermon. It's life. Jesus Christ is real. I said Jesus Christ is real. So it has to come off the words of, of the Bible. It has, to become, it has to become the bread of life. It has, to be, it has to be in you. Amen. So you can put us in any kind of system you wanted to. See, you, you, you don't really know where you are in life until you have an obstacle. There's a lot of people who think they're living by faith. They're not living by faith at all. Take away their checkbook, take away their savings account, take away their health, and most of them will curse God. Got really quiet in this Presbyterian church. or no, We're not Presbyterian, but I'm just saying. You don't really know where you are with God until you really, really don't have any other clue uh, that same old saying that Smith Woodworth said years ago. He said, a man is really in a good place when he has nowhere else to turn to but God. In other words, have a situation that no man can fix. You ever had a situation that no man can fix? You know the good thing about that? It just simplifies it. Hmm? In this country, we have all type of things that we can employ to help, to help us and to aid us. You know, it's just, it's just, we're very comfortable people. 
we, we like our comfort zones. Well, we do. I like them. Do you like them? We like our heated homes and our air-conditioned homes, and we like food in the pantry, and we like whatever that makes us comfortable. I was, when we walked in the church this morning, I was thinking about Evangelist C. He was ministering in Peru a number of years ago and said he was standing there and people had walked for hours to get there. And he said uh, most of them that came there were barefooted. And it began to rain and the temperature dropped 30 degrees in, le- in about an hour. And being from America, I mean, they're not under a shelter. They're, they're in an open field. And here he is preaching in an open field. And here's these people, and, and now it's down to around 30 degrees. You know, it was near 60, and an hour later it's 30, and it's pouring down rain. And they're barefooted, and they walk for hours and hours and hours to get there. So he said, I needed, I was going to stop, and they were looking at me, and don't you even think about stopping. <clears throat> you think that worked very well in America? Huh? I mean, like I said, did, did the National Guard help you get here this morning? No. He that believeth. Remember, we, we read this first John. He that believeth has this testimony, has this record in him. You have a testimony in you. The testimony is Jesus. Amen. He who has Jesus has the life of Jesus. Yes. Not in heaven now. As he is, so are you in this earth. There's just something there that needs to be stirred this morning. There's some, sometimes there's things in us that we need to, that gets lost uh, in, in generations. That goes from a generation to a generation and it gets lost. And we're, we're kind of in a generation where this has been going on for a number of 10 years that they tell us to make church real comfortable. And they tell us to be real easy, especially on Sunday morning because, you know, visitors may come and you wouldn't want to offend them and you wouldn't want to scare them and you wouldn't want to, you know, just keep it real light and easy and tell them it's going to be a great day. Well, Paul didn't always get that it was going to be a great day. Matter of fact, let me read to you where he, he, he didn't get it was going to be a great day. Go to Acts chapter 20 with me. I'd rather you just tell me the truth. Huh? Acts 20, 18. When they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. He says, Serving the Lord with all humility of mine, and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the line and wait for the Jews. Paul said in verse 20, but how I kept nothing back that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly from house to house. Verse 21, testifying both to the Jews, also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch here, verse 22. And now behold, Paul says, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Save or accept that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city where he's going saying that when you, <laughs> here's what you need to know, Paul. You're going, in, you're, you're going here. I'm sending you here. Know this, that bonds and afflictions abide me. In other words, you're headed into a mess. You're headed into a riot. Paul always either had revival or riot. Either they loved him or they were stoning him. Hmm? 
The Amplified said, now I see that I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going bound by the Holy Spirit. Bound by the Holy Spirit. Obligated. I'm compelled by the convictions of my own spirit, not knowing what will befall me there. 23 and Amplified says, except that the Holy Spirit clearly and emphatically affirms to be in city after city that imprisonment and suffering is awaiting me. Oh, happy day. Who wants to sign up? Who wants to go on that missionary trip? He says, head there. And here's what you can know for sure. You're headed to prison. <laughs> Preach prison. Get out of jail free card? Not really. Get out, preach some more, prison again. And, a, and suffering is awaiting you. Ooh, can't wait to make that trip. Look at verse 24. He said, none of those things move me. Well, they move most of the church. Well, it's raining hard. None, none of these things, he said, move me. Here's why. Because I don't esteem my life dear to myself. Paul's a different kind of person, isn't he? Huh? Paul said that his life didn't belong to him. And Philippians said, he said, I'm after this thing. I'm pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus, that I may apprehend the very one who's been trying to apprehend me. He said, I don't say I've attained all of it yet, but man, I'm pressing for it. To know these things. He said he's had his hand on me. He's had his mark on me. He's apprehended me. And I'm wide open to this thing to be apprehended to the one who's apprehended me. And he said my life doesn't belong to me. You know a dead man don't care what time supper is. Hmm? It won't be late. And it won't be early. He says, so I, I don't count my life dear to myself so that I might finish my course with what? Do you have joy? Where's it at? Huh? You can practice it with a smile. And if you can, some of the, oh, I can't smile. Well, sleep with a clothes hanger in your mouth tonight. And in the morning, you'll have a fresh head start. Huh? He said, <laughs> this man knows I'm going to jail. I'm going to prison. And suffering's away ahead of me, but I don't really care. And I'm full of joy. I can't wait to meet Paul and hear him preach when we get to heaven. Finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received with the Lord Jesus Christ to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Look at that. And now behold, I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, you shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, and I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. 28. Take heed therefore unto yourself and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his blood. What did it cost Jesus? His blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own self shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch you remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day. And now brethren I commend you to God and to the word of His grace which is able to build you up. His word is able to what? Build you up. 
Now, I did not bring a Reader's Digest thing in here today to talk to you about Reader's Digest. And that might be your thing. You might like Reader's Digest. And I guess they got some articles. I don't know. But that's not what we need this morning. He said, I'm giving you the word of his grace because that word of his grace will build you up in the inner man. In the spirit man. Smith Wordsworth said, he said, I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside because I know who's in me. You know, that's true of you that, you know, you're 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 bigger. You're a thousand times bigger. Brother Hagin said, I believe Smith Wordsworth missed it. I believe it's at least a million times bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. See, when you, when you feel small and frail and you, you're not up for the task and you don't know, you're, you're, you're paying attention to all the things of the flesh and not that of the spirit. You're not paying attention. You're not thinking about who you are in Christ. You're not thinking about your identity, of who, who you truly are. Someone was uh, talking about this yesterday and they were talking about the the terrible shootings that took place in in Vegas this week, and uh, and how horrific it was, and they were using it to deal, talk about once again arms and firearms and guns and all that, and how guns kill people. Well, I got guns in my house, and my my guns ain't never killed nobody because all life matters to me. Hmm. Jesus died for all life. So I, it, it's just ironic how I have guns and they've never shot nobody. Not even close. I've never fired on a person and have no reason to. Hmm? So my guns aren't dangerous. I guess I bought them at a different place. <laughs> so this individual who can enter their mind on Facebook, which I always periodically tell you, I think it's scriptural to be on Facebook. I think this is the book and your face ought to be in it. You can start off with 66 friends. 66 books. That's just my take on Facebook. Okay? And so here, here so the, the, it was more of a, an attitude of, of uh, you know, anti this and anti this and anti that. And uh, the new generation called themselves uh, free thinkers. Have you heard the terminology? Among the young generation that we're not in this box and we're not in that box that we are we are free to think uh, we are not tied to a group of people we're not tied to a, a type of thinking we're not in the political realm we're not independent we're not Republican we're not Democrat we're we're not tied to a group of people an organization uh, what you are is carnal Carnal means meat. Yes, ma'am. Carnal is really the word we get. You, you ever had chili con carne? That's meat, right? Carnal is the carnal part of the mind that's controlled through the senses. What you touch, taste, feel, hear, and smell, your sense realm, your brain's tied into it, and it leads you through those five senses. And that's why jokingly we say, if you're carnal, you're a meat head. <laughs> See what I'm saying? But to walk in the spirit, so you never, you never fulfill those things. So I, I, people sometimes will ask me, so, well, uh, the church this or someone this or someone that. And they say, well, what's your opinion? I say, I don't have one. Oh, you have to have an opinion. I, say, 
I, I don't have an opinion. Oh, everybody all have an opinion. I said, I, I don't have one. You mean you don't have an opinion about so-and-so? I said, no. So you have nothing to say? I said, no, I have something to say. I just don't have an opinion. Oh, what would you say? I said, well, the Bible says this. See, that, that wouldn't make me a free thinker, would it? Hmm? If I'm a free thinker, then I could just like, well, you know, 2,000 years ago. But now this is 2017. And I feel. Hmm? Jesus wasn't a free thinker. Was he? Well, I, he said, I, I never said anything or done anything unless I heard my father say it or do it. Sound like you're connected. Sound like your will is submitted to someone else's. Hmm? You know, life will go gloriously, wonderfully this way if you'll be submitted. The, the Bible says submit yourself to the word of God. Then you can resist the devil and then the devil will free from you. The devil does not run from someone who is the free thinker. He, run, he runs from God submitted people. In case you want to know, I was, reading, I was quoting James 4, 7. Submit yourself to the word of God. Submit yourself to his thinking. Submit yourself to his creed or his doctrine. His, not ours, not society, not, not politically. Submit yourself to, to his word. I mean, if we have another election and God says, vote for that person. You say, well, that's just not, you know, I, I don't vote that way. But, he, but what if he says do? I mean, if they let a kangaroo come in there and God says, vote for the jumping thing right there. It's like, I don't understand that, but here we go. Submit myself to, to God by submitting myself to his word. People say, well, I submit myself to God, but, you know, the word's up for, you know, that was written a long time ago. But, but you, you, you don't separate God from his word. You, you can't, I can't separate you from your word. True? Isn't your word you? And if I can't depend on you by your word, then who are you? God and his word is one and the same. God and faith is one and the same. You can't separate faith from God because God is faith. You can't separate God and teach God and teach love because God is love. They're inseparable. They're one, and we're one together with him. You want his results? Then get connected. You ever had a, you ever had a, a vehicle or some type of machinery that wouldn't crank because the, the terminals were loose? They were on there, but they were loose. And, and then you wonder why it's going click, 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 or no click at all. They're on there, but somehow they become loosened, or they're corroded, and they can't get through the stuff, Right? They can't get through the junk to make the spark from the battery for what the motor needs. So it says no supply for you because either we're corroded or we're loose. Jesus said, he said, the father is the, is the vine and we are the branch. He says, if we stay connected to him, he said, we bear fruit. If we do not stay connected, there is no fruit bearing. Praise God. You want to bear fruit? Get connected. 
So what do I want to disconnect from? Anything that's not him. Pray sometimes and ask God to do inventory if you mean it. Show me everything that's not you. That you see in me. You, you, know, you, you thought, well, how do I know? I, people sometimes say, I don't know if I can know how to hear from God. Pray that you will. <laughs> You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm still writing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Show, Lord, show me everything in me that's not you. That's not your, that's not your love. Huh? See, God is love. He's not loving. He is love. He said, love pays no attention to a suffered wrong. So why do you? Oh, well, well they said, well, well, well they, they killed him on a cross. And he, as he was dying, he said, Lord, don't, don't, uh, that guy who just put the spirit in my side, don't, don't, don't lay that to his charge. You know anyone who does that? Love pays no attention. Love does not seek its own way. It's not resentful. Love doesn't, the God kind of love doesn't pay people back. Well, I forgive them, but I ain't never going to forget it. Well, you ain't forgave them. Huh? Amen. He said he removed your sin as far as the east from the west, and he doesn't even remember it. See, that's not the love of God. So, Lord, separate me from everything that's not you, that's not your, that's not your love, that's not your nature, that's not your character. Take everything out of me that's just junk. And uh, you might be surprised. It's a powerful prayer if you mean it. Leaving everything that's the fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace and long-suffering and patience and goodness and kindness and temperance. Everything else out, get it out. Hmm? You'll be better off after the process. You'll be about the process for a while, but you'll be better off. You ever had to have a tooth extracted? Pulled out, you know what I'm talking about? Pulled, extracted. Maybe it wasn't fun, but if it was hurting bad enough, it was, you was glad when they got it out. You never had a toothache. That's a bad kind of ache, isn't it? I had to have some wisdom teeth cut, cut out one time, and, he, and I said, uh, he said, well, they, there's, there's not room for them to grow. And he said, if I, if I leave this in, it's going to cause you more pain. If I leave this in here at the found, and it's your foundation and it stays in there, it's going to cause you more pain. If what you think is truth is not truth and it stays in, it's going to cause you more pain. You ought to ask the Holy Ghost sometimes because the Bible says the Holy Spirit is truth. He's called the spirit of reality. He is truth. He's nothing but truth. And he lives in you. Someone from another world lives in your belly who is all truth. So he knows everything in us that's not truth. You ought to ask him to separate it sometime. Everything that you see in me, in my heart, in my mind, in my attitudes, in my words, in my thoughts, in my actions, not you. <clears throat> expose that to me so that I see. And so that all that I have is left is what's in the truth bucket. We did that thing years ago of having a, have a jar for married couples. And we said, <clears throat> no matter what they say, no matter what they do, don't reprimand them, don't talk about them, don't speak badly of them, don't, don't speak down to them. 
<clears throat> don't say a word. If, you, if, if it's not love, if it's not edifying, if it's not encouraging to your, those around you, to your spouse, don't say anything to them. And if you say something that's wrong, if you say something that's not edifying, that's not encouraging, then you have to feed the jar a dollar. Or if you're serious, you have to feed it five dollars. In other words, if you get ready to tell them how it is or give a piece of your mind, uh-uh, that's not the love of God. He says, you don't need to eat that. That's not love. There's another way of doing it. See, the, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. Oh, yeah, but I'm a person of faith. Not according to Paul. Paul said, if you've got faith to move mountains, but you're not loved, he says, you, you're just a little tingling symbol. He said, you, you're not about nothing going anywhere. Well, I don't really like that verse. Oh, so now, now we're in the pick and choose thing. I like, I like, I don't. I like, I don't, I don't, I don't. It's okay, I like. You're going to be down, with, down to the index in the book of maps. <laughs> Pulling it all out, right? So what do we have in us? What do we have left in it? The, the, the love of God. Well, we, we have, he who has the son hath this life. Has this record, has this testimony. So what is the truth? What's in the truth bucket? Where your truth bucket stand the test of time. With the love of God in you, is it the phileo love, the human love, the selfish type of love? The, 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 the human love says, do this for me, I'll do this for you. Be kind to me, I'll be kind to you. Do me a favor, I'll do you a favor. Scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. But it also says, do me wrong, I'll do you wrong. Slap me, I'll slap you back. Spit on me, I'll spit on you twice. Paul said, you have that in the world where people are kind to the, to, to the kind. But Jesus was kind to those who was kind and unkind. He said, I send the rain on the just and the unjust. I bless the grateful and the ungrateful. Do we? Hmm? Do we? Because that's who's in your belly. Do you, do you know who's in your belly? In your spirit being? The Holy Ghost? Have you ever read about him? You can find him over in Genesis chapter 1 when God's creating the, the heavens and the earth and he's brooding over the face of the earth like a mother hen over her eggs for him to be incubated. And he's just, the mouse is brooding. He's hovering over the face of the earth. He's the power side of that part of God. And he's just waiting. He's waiting for instructions. He's not a free thinker. Oh. Isn't that something that someone tells you ought to be a free thinker and the Holy Ghost ain't one? Duh. That's a clue. <laughs> right? Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he's just like me. But he won't speak about him. He'll speak about me. So the Holy Ghost is not a free thinker, but, in your, but our generation, you're supposed to be free thinkers. You better submit yourself to the Word of God so you stay out of witchcraft and rebellion. Huh? What are you connected to? How well are you connected? What is it that you are receiving that, that doesn't line up with this? Yeah, but my experience has been, there, there you go again with your free thinking. Hmm? You look at this and talk this and believe this until your life lines up with this. We're not to preach experience. 
Thank God for experiences if they're good. But that's not we're, we're not called here to preach experiences. There is no gospel of Eric in here. I'm in here, but they didn't name a book after me. Hmm? I'm in here, right? So when I got a problem, I need to go here. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Some people never get to use their faith because they're so worried how it's going to work out to tell everybody their problem. Instead of trusting God. The Bible says faith without works is dead, not faith without hints. I, I, I watched that at Bible school for two years. Where, you know, plenty of people needed money at Bible school. No, no one's really working a salary job that pays anything. I mean, it, it's, it's believing God every month, used it for, for two years. But you could, you, you could watch people every month around the admission office when it, when it, was, uh, when it was time to, to pay up for the month. And, uh, and, and then they start praying out loud. Oh, Lord, you know I don't have my, my tuition. It's, oh, God, you know I'm $210 short. Oh, God, you know if I don't get this in the next 10 minutes, oh, Lord, I'm not going to be able to go to class this month. And someone feels real sorry for them and comes up with $210. And they say, well, God bless me. No, your big mouth did it. Hmm? Y'all happy? Right? Smith Birdworth said, you're in a great place when you're in a place that no one can fix your problem. No man has the, the ability or woman has the ability to fix that problem. Is it wrong for people to help? No, it's, we're called to help. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. But there's a place in you that needs to know, like Abraham said, against all hope, they had hope. Did they try it the human way? Lord, yes. You know, Romans 4 is very kind. I always thought Romans 4, here's how you know God's love if you don't ever know it another way. Romans 4 tells me God's love. He, he tells such a wonderful story about Abraham and Sarah that's not really true. He said they were not weak in faith. Oh, yeah, they were weak in faith. You know, God's not telling all about all your bad days. Isn't that good? If, if you want to know if Abraham and Sarah was ever weak, go back in the book of Genesis when God gave them the promise of the son. They were weak and staggering. But you and I would, same way. If you was a woman who, who even wanted a child at 75, which I can't even imagine why you'd want that. I think you need counseling. If you need a child at 75, you need counseling. <laughs> Not how to get one, why you even want one. <laughs> but, now, but you know what I'm saying. So here they are, 75. He's about 85 at the time. Here comes the promise. Time goes by, nothing's happening, right? And then Sarah comes up with this great plan that Abraham can take her handmaid, a young girl, get her impregnated, and, and, and this will be their child. And the man of faith that Abraham is, he says, we can do that. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. <clears throat> and they come up with Ishmael. The scripture says he was the child born of the flesh. Isaac was born in the promise of the spirit. One came by man's attempt. The other one came by the promise of God. Ishmael was why we still have problems in the Middle East. It was, he was conceived, contrived out of human ability instead of Abraham and Sarah who brought forth Isaac, whose, whose name was Laughter. Hmm? 
Is anything too hard for God? No. And so here, what happened was this. Time went by. And uh, someone said, well, well so then how, how did it ever happen? Well, it, it's supernatural. No doubt, right? When someone 90 years of age and 100 years of age conceives children, it's, it's probably supernatural. Just, can you name me somebody else? Not, not in the Bible, someone you know. Well, now, great-grandmama, go, go ahead, you got the floor. I'd like to know who they are. So we don't know anyone that's ever happened with, right? And we know it wasn't immaculate conception, right? This wasn't like Jesus was born by the, impregnated by the, Mary impregnated by the Holy Ghost. This is still the act of two people coming together. That had to be the Holy Ghost. I mean, there had to be like a supernatural, excuse my, uh, Viagra like on steroids for Abraham and for Sarah. And for her to even want him around her like that. Like, get, away, get away from me. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's super, it, it was supernatural. Right? And so they conceived. But you know, you know what caused Sarah to conceive? Hebrews 11, 14 tells us why Sarah finally got to the place where she could conceive. After they'd done this and they tried that and they went through this and time went by and they, all this human attempt, they settled it. They settled this faith thing. They settled it. Hebrews eleven fourteen tells you what it is. It says, Sarah conceived seed. She conceived and was impregnated after she just decided to judge God faithful to his word. Made no sense to her. Nothing been going on 20 plus years. I can't see it. Now I'm 24 years old and I was when you told me. But I don't know how you're going to do it, but bless God, I believe it. Hmm? What do you have to lose by believing God? What, what is it you have to lose? By trusting God. Have you ever had a problem that you needed God to help, help you with? All of us? So what, what do you have to lose by believing God? I mean, you already got the problem, <laughs> right? The only, the only thing you stand to lose is what? The problem. You already got the problem, right? And if you could have fixed it, oh, you would have already done it, right? How many, if you, if you was God for an hour, you would fix your stuff real quick? <laughs> How many would fix a couple of other people? <laughs> like, oh, come on, baby. <laughs> no, that's why we're not God. That's why he wrote the book and we read it. So here it is. She judged him faithful. How are you judging him? Huh? See, she finally got silent and said, God, I don't know how you're going to do it. It makes no sense to my natural oh, mind. See, faith does not come out of the human reason and faith comes out of the spirit. Hmm? If you want something out to come out of your spirit, feed it something. You feed your body naturally every day. Do you feed your spirit? Hmm? Are you strong in the Lord and the power of his might? You're not strong in the Lord because you confess you are. You're strong because you eat spiritual food. You're a meditator. You read these words. Well, I don't like to read. Well, lose them. I, 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 I really, through the years, got really sick. I don't like to read. Well, I, I didn't like to read either. To be honest with you, I hated reading. I hated reading all through school. 
And uh, someone said, well, how'd you get over it? Well, uh, it was like this. It dawned on me this, that one day that God had called me to the ministry and he told me to go to Bible school. And it, I, it dawned on me that you'd probably have to read if you was there. <laughs> and I was right. <laughs> they expected us to read. And I didn't know how you'd be in the ministry and minister from the book called the Bible and go to Bible school and read and study without reading. So you know what I did? I made a decision that I love to read. I suppose I have thousands of dollars worth of books now. Which when my brother comes to my house, he thinks it is hilarious. Because he was always the reader. My brother was so much the reader, he was no longer interested in school. My brother, when I was on a date, you know what he was doing? He was reading the encyclopedias. We had a, two twin beds in a room. And his light stayed on all night long. I used to beg him to turn it off. I, I said, don't you want to go out and do something with the guys? No, I want to read. I look, I said, what are you reading? Uh, the letter, the, uh, the world book, the letter L, headed to Z. I said, you're weird. And he read the dictionaries. He read everything about history. He did, he read all A through Z. So when he would go to school and they're going to teach him history, <gasps> or anything, he, he just, he was bored. So he quit school in 11th grade, went into the, uh, the Navy, got his GED, and then went into nuclear power, which you have to have some math to do that. And he was top of his class. And I'm the one, when I looked at a book, I went, ooh. <laughs> so when he comes to my house sometime, walks in my, li in my, in my library, he goes, this is just hilarious. He said, I haven't picked up a book in 20 years. <laughs> and I says, uh, I pick up one every day of my life. See, what you give your attention to will become your desire. The world says it the other way. They say that whatever you desire, you'll give your attention to. But whatever you decide to give your attention to will become your desire. Hmm? I mean, my mother was determined that I was going to like peas and carrots, which I don't. And uh, I said, I don't like them. She says, well, you might as well learn to like them. She said, because you're not getting anything else. And you're not getting up till you eat them. My mother parented old school. If there had been a DHR back then, she'd still be serving I'm pretty sure. If it had been a number, I'm sure we'd have called and she'd still be in there, but she's in heaven, of course, now. But I'm just saying, you know, she's, my mother did not count all these parents now to count to their kids. You know, let them know you're in trouble. Now, if you do that again, one, two, some kids know their parents can count to three, some five, some ten. My mama counted to one. One. And after one, you better run. She was told that there was nerves on the backside that attached itself to the brain. That you could change the brain from here. And she believed in that theory. And she was right. Because <laughs> you could always come, away to, come around to mama's way of thinking. Amen. Thank God for it. Thank God for her. But see, I didn't grow up at 18 years old 
And I, you know, you know I, I still find some people I went to school with. And they're still trying to find themselves. Find yourself. You ever seen someone 30, 40 years old trying to find themselves? Find yourself. My mama found me out in the garden with a tiller. She said, when I get back from work, I better have that two acres. I want all the rocks gone, debris gone. I want these rows laid out. And you got the corn, and you're going to light this, and you're going to stick the beans, and you're going to do all that. And that's where I'm going to find you. Yes, ma'am, mama. Hmm? So I never, I never got lost in need finding. She always knew where I was at. I was working. Amen. Well, that never hurt anybody. Right? But you got people who's, you know, who's old enough to be some of them grandparents, and they're still, they're still trying to find themselves. Well, I don't think I could do that. Well, why? Well, I don't know. It just seems so whatever. I'm not a morning person. My mother went to work at a factory every day where about one person every three months lost their hands in the machinery. When Keystone used to be up and going in Clanton. And then she left that job and then she went to work at uh, the old Winn Dixie, which is now Fred's in Clanton, when that was Winn Dixie. And then she went from that job to work in the deli just because she, she loved to work in the cool evening and bake things and get home about 8 30 or 9 and did that five days a week just to pay the bills. But she had four kids, so she expected certain things to be done. And they better be done. See what I'm saying? World's different now, isn't it? So they said, well, I'm, I'm just not a morning person. Well, see, my mother was gone before the school bus came. So if you missed it and it shows up on your report card, you missed it. That'd be a bad day. Two times I went to the principal. Two times. One time it was my fault, the other time it wasn't. I, I was a lookalike, and they was wrong. And that, I actually didn't do it that time. I was a lookalike. <clears throat> I really didn't do it that time. First time I was guilty. I was uh, pitching quarters in uh, the ag department. You know, you ever pitch quarters, you can get closer to the wall. And I don't know, I think Chief went home, big Lord, years ago. Big, tall, black guy. I mean, he's, he's huge. Everyone loved Chief. Uh, Chief Sims. He about six, five, six, seven, probably about three twenty, three thirty. He went off, and while he was gone, we just out there fooling with quarters. And uh, I was winning. And as I was pitching quarters, I, I saw the shadow over me. And it got quiet in the room, and I and uh, he said. Come on, baby. <laughs> well, there was three of us. Two of them were varsity football players. Both of them took to their knees and crying. I said, no, no. Now, if they cried, and I'm just a runt. I know you can't hardly believe I was a runt, but I was a runt. I was in a 28 waist when I got married. Them days are gone forever. But anyway, I went there, and I refused the, the paddling. So he sent me to the, the principal's office, Coach Hayes. And I got this idea on the way there. I said, hmm, maybe I ain't really got to go there. So I went and hung out in the bathroom for a little while. And I rubbed my eyes like this for a long time until they got all red. And I had a, 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 a towel. And I was going to make water come down like I'd been from the principal's office. 
And I tricked everybody. Everybody. I come back about 20 minutes later, and my eyes were red from rubbing it. And I was, and I was playing the part. Like Coach Hayes tore me up. And Chief says, sit down. Don't you ever do that again in my class. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, sir. I've just been in the bathroom. Three days later, I walked in the lunchroom. Guess who's sitting having lunch together? Assistant Principal Coach Hayes and Chief Baby. It made me think about it. About Old West over here. Well, next class, about 10 minutes into it, Eric West, need you to come to the office. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. Well, that's what it was. They compared notes, and I'd never been there. I got a whipping from Coach Hayes. I got a whipping from Coach Sims. I got suspended, or what do you call it, for three days. And I had a, had a note signed by my mama. Now, I'd rather Chief whip me for 37 days in a row than to tell mama. That's why I said she'd still be serving, you know, with uh, <laughs> Yeah, because she was going to convince you. So I told her, I said, I don't know how this happened. <laughs> so I went through that, and then she ground me for six months. Six months. Did you know that's a half a year? Did you know that's when I had tickets to go see Elvis Presley? And that was the last time he was going to make it around alive? And I said, please, you can ground me for three more months. Please, can I have just this? I mean, it's Elvis Presley, Mama. It's Elvis Presley. Ain't nothing but a hound dog. I mean, you know, jailhouse rock. Please, Mama, please let me out. Just, she said, don't do the crime if you ain't going to pay the time. And I said, so I didn't. And he died. Thanks. <laughs> so I watched these parents count now. One, two. Three. My mama would have done moved you to Mars but by, by two. <laughs> and then count to three or four or five. Anyway, I don't know what that has to do with anything, but it, it, it gives you an internal. See, when, when, even from the natural side, when situations come in your life, there's something in you that was put in you. Just from the natural side, right? Because you was raised in such a way that it's just like, you know, tough people know what to do in tough times. But when you take that with the Word of God and you put it in there and you, and you put the conquering spirit of the Holy Ghost on the inside and the faith of God on the inside and you put that together with, bless God, we're going to do something together with Christ. I can't fail. I mean, what, what, what would I do in this life if I knew I couldn't fail? Because God's with me. The Holy Ghost is in me. The Word of God is living on the inside of me. So we walk this thing out together, hand in hand, faith in faith, step by step. He's with me. He never leaves us, never fails us, and never forsakes us. So I so said, what happens if God don't come through? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm f it's going to be shocking to you, but I'm almost 56. I don't even know what it means to say God don't come through. Hmm? Did it always happen on my time frame? No, a lot of times it didn't. Did it happen the way I thought it would or how I hoped it would? Not always, but he always came through. And he always comes through. We always triumph and we always win. You're, if you're in Christ, he's in you. Look here, you are on the winning side. Uh, you will not be denied. It's all been tied. He's on your side. Hallelujah. Greater is he that's in you. What's in you? So stay connected. Keep the corrosion off. Keep your mind alert. 
asking him, what's going on in me that's not you? Show me. What's in me that's not of you? What's not of your love? What's not of your character? What's not of your nature? Get that stuff out of me. Show me. Expose that to me. Show me the good stuff too. There's some good stuff. But there's some stuff that needs to go. And when you get free of that stuff, you'll be so happy. You'll be so happy. You'll live so, so light and so happy. You'll be just more fun to be around than you ever thought you would. People say, well, I can't. I'm just so tired. No, you're not tired. You just don't have a dream. Donald Trump sleeps four hours a night. He's 71 years old. There's some people who can't function less than 12. You, you ever had something you're so excited about you couldn't go to sleep at night, you couldn't shut your mind off about? Hmm? Well, I, you know, I don't like that because, you know, I, I got to go to work. No, you get to go. You get to go to work. And if you don't have a job like that, then you're probably at the wrong place. You get to go there. You get to share Christ. Huh? You, you get to take this God inside you. When people are happy and they're excited and they're dreaming, they're, they're, they're awake. It's hard for them to shut down. Something's been conceived on the inside. It wants to give birth to it. Woo. Amen. People say, well, it's just all about preachers. They're just all about money. Well, no, we, we, we received the offering a long time ago. So if it was about money, I, just, I, I could just quit a long time ago. Right? Man, I love this word. And I love to share it with people who love the word. I love to see lives changed. Don't you? But I know I can't change it, but I know this word can. So I just keep on trying to push it a little bit. On there. Eat them peas and carrots. Eat them peas and carrots. I remember because I was born in Detroit and, and, and she had liver. Mama had liver and onions and peas and carrots. That's close to suicide for me. <laughs> she, said, she said, son, you ain't getting up till you eat them. I said, but mama, please. She said, you, can go to, she said, you ain't going to bed hungry. You know, some parents will either let you go eat it or go to bed hungry. She says, no, you're going to eat it. I said, can I go to bed hungry? She said, no. And I think she said I was there at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm five years old looking at my liver and onions. Like, could you just kill me? <laughs> Was there a parenting altogether right? Uh, I don't think so. Not, not on all that. But you know what? I found out I can eat liver and onions. So if I ever get stranded somewhere and you break out a can of sardines or whatever, I, I can do it. I probably won't go get it on my own, but I can do it. Right? Did you know that you can do all things through Christ who is strengthening you? Notice he didn't say half the things. You can do all things. Well, you're a winner and you're on the winning side. So Wednesday night, uh, Brother Matt's going to be ministering again, helping others with addictions. we got a good start. Uh, Wednesday will be even better this Wednesday. Hope that you can be here. That is 645. And uh, you know about the special meetings coming up? And uh, yeah, they, they, they ministered with uh, Nancy Harmon and... Uh, and Benny Hinn. So they're real prophetical, but they're also real music. You know, Benny Hinn doesn't use people who doesn't know how to do music because he, he, he needs a lot of music. And so they're going to be, uh, they're gonna be uh, 
coming and ministering prophetically and on the keyboard, and I believe it would be a really good meeting. I don't know what part of Texas, you know, somewhere out, everyone says somewhere outside of Houston. Every time I ask them, they live somewhere outside. So they live somewhere outside of Houston. So y'all know where the nation of Texas is. That's where they're coming from. Well, God bless you. Have a big day. I think uh, the weather's all past us. You're alive and you made it. Ooh, imagine that. You didn't let some rain keep you out. Amen. God bless you.